0: Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So, stay with us, and right now, we present. Hi, hello, everybody. We're going to have a great show today. Um, I really have been excited to talk to this gentleman again. He has been on the show before. He's going to be on again, whether he likes it or not. Uh, His his name is uh, David Newkirk. And um, he has got a couple of websites. We're going to focus on one which I want to talk about a great deal because it really talks about your spiritual journey and what that is and what it's not and, and how, how does it actually work. I think there's a lot of people that hear about, I'm on a spiritual journey, and, I'm, and but they don't really know what that means or what, they, what they're actually about, and, and David's taking a lot of time. He knows um, a lot about, uh, about this topic, and he'll be fun to talk to about it so that perhaps if you are in the middle of that journey but don't know you're in the middle of that journey, you can kind of put a, a name to it and, and figure out how you're going to best serve yourself. And so given that, uh, David, how are you? Nice to see you again. Nice to see you, Kevin.
1: I am, I'm doing wonderful today. Happy Friday, and uh, thank you for having me again. This is just oh, uh, pure joy.
0: It's, it's so much fun to, to have you here because uh, I learn so much every time we talk. And uh, I, you, you give me a lot of things that I need to ask really good questions about um and to learn about what you what what you know and and stuff so it's and then we have a nice um exchange and banter back and forth by the way rebecca says hello i don't i'm not sure that you know who rebecca harrison is but
1: oh, i i don't know that i know rebecca harrison but hello rebecca
0: and uh she's she's a good friend of the show and uh and i'm looking forward to uh talking with you so let's talk about the 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 spiritual journey me Dot com What brought that uh, website about to, to happen? It, it was one of those things
1: where I'd been doing work ever since I was six years old. It's just been very, very, very different. My perspective, my way of being, everything had been very different. And I have no qualms saying I'm 58 years old. So, you know, being in a generation where you have those experiences, those are just things that I ended up keeping to myself. And doing things, you know, for the beneficial good of others, just within myself, because that's not something that, you know, in a generation growing up when you're young, that uh, it's acceptable or, you know, can even be in an extroverted way viewed or seen. And um, so my life has just always been different. But I decided in 2018 that while I was always helping people, always, that I'd like, I I felt that, uh, the time was right, that I needed to focus on, on doing this more in an extroverted fashion, um, where, um, I can actually be available to more people in a very humble, accessible way, um, where I can help them move forward, uh, in different ways. And, um, so yeah, so 2018, I, I decided that the timing was right. It felt right. And, um, it's really nice to be able to just be a resource where,
0: where it may be wanted or needed at a particular
1: time for somebody.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting because I, I started a radio show called Positive Talk uh, back in 2003, 2002. And uh, a lot of the concepts that you and I are going to talk about, and we're not very readily accepted uh back then we were in the middle of we just had 9-11 we were in the middle of going to war with iraq and there was a lot of anger in the country and so forth at least in the united states and um but but so i didn't get a lot of acceptance from that we talked about meditation and, mm-hmm. and spirituality and and all of those things and we I had to actually pull it back, which is how I ended up with Positive Talk Radio. But but it's coming forward again, and so I really love the work that you're doing uh, to help people understand. Number one, what is a spiritual journey, and if you are on one and don't know what that you're on one, uh, how can you identify it and to and to grow within it to really become the individual that I believe that you are destined to become. You didn't even know you were destined to become it, and but it, circumstances has led your life into it. Does that make sense?
1: It, it makes total sense. I can I can address that into in a couple of different ways. You know, the first thing is what I've what I've learned to understand, not just myself, but with all the people that I've worked with, um, you know, across the country or outside of the United States, is that that the, the spiritual journey doesn't provide perfect timing and perfect alignment for it to happen. It doesn't just it doesn't fit into a perfect situation where it starts for somebody. A lot of times, it just happens, and it's it can be disruptive, for lack of a better description. Um, but what I like to say is that a lot of times the spiritual journey is because of what I'm, I like to use the phrase shift. People like people are very married to the word awakening, kundalini awakening, and a lot of these words, and totally, I'm totally cool with that. And um, you know, especially kundalini awakening. But to me, in awakening, whether it's the extreme huge effect of a huge experience like a kundalini, there are also on a spectrum many degrees less than that um, and somewhere along a whole spectrum where you experience, um, uh, I call them shifts. And the shifts like a kundalini is a change in your perspective that changes very significantly and there's no going back. You see things differently. You feel things differently. You view things differently. And it's, it's, it is really to the core of being heart-centered is where it all originates. But it shifts and it becomes disruptive because you're trying to figure out this unplanned shift of perspective, view, and how you want to be relative to how you were before that were things that were acceptable to you. Where you thought, okay, I could deal with these people at work. You know, they're annoying, but I could deal with them. Or, you know, family members, you know, I just, you know, my brother or sister always annoys me, but, you know, we hang out anyway. You go through these shifts where you're like, I just can't put myself in those situations anymore. I don't know why. I just don't want to work with these people anymore. I don't like working here. I just need to quit this job. Or, you know, I really want to spend so much less time with my brother, sister, family members because I don't get anything out of it. It's not productive for me. I I feel like I'm always depleted and drained. And why do I always put myself in that situation of always going? So there's these shifts of perspective and then figuring out how do we adjust to those and how do we manage all of a sudden these changes of of views and feelings and wants. And and it's disruptive because it disrupts relationships. It disrupts perhaps your professional work. And you're trying to figure out where
0: where's my where's my normalcy now? I'll tell you what you just hit my nail right on the head there, sir. Um, because that that is exactly what happened to me. Mm. Was that because of the shift that I experienced as I began to learn more about life and about my own experience and what I really wanted to achieve and why was I really here? and stuff my perspective changed and because that perspective changed the people that were around me were not used to that right they were expecting me to be the same old happy-go-lucky kevy that would go into and was the sales manager and would come home and you know all that stuff and it was different it was different for me i felt a completely different perspective of life why we're here what my job is to do and, and which by the way, is to talk to people like you. And, uh, and so it can be very uncomfortable. And it was, I, I went through a period where everybody disappeared.
1: Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's very common. You're not alone in that. And um, the reason, the reason why it's common is because when we go through this up, I say way, because I went, I've gone through that too. So I'm not, I'm not speaking about something I did not experience, but when we go through that we inherently it changes our mannerisms. It changes where it changes the way that we are are sharing ourselves in physical presence. You know, some of things change about us. We find ourselves less engaged in conversation in front of people, more engaged in maybe something else, and no one else will, though wants to talk about those things. So you find you're talking <laughs> about something, and everyone sort of just wants to move on. And so what happens is everyone else is feeling that change in you and seeing it as well. And they don't know how to react because they've been conditioned over the years of experiencing you habitually the same way. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, you just appear different and you behave different. You're interacting differently and they, and they can't figure it out.
0: And so they're just as uncomfortable. And we have a comment from Dr. Marnie. She's one of the the um, uh, favorites of our shows and and uh, David, I've experienced significant shifts as a result of spiritual experiences and STEs. Do you find that trauma and or a big life change can prompt these changes? Oh, that's a great
1: question. And the, and the answer, the short answer, before I give a longer answer, uh, Doctor Marnie is is yes, it actually can create and prompt those changes. I find that a lot of times those uh, traumas or big life changes are actually the catalysts that can create those changes. You know, some people I find have gone through those shifts when they're actually young and they realize they've been going through all these many shifts through their entire life into their thirties, forties, and fifties. And so it's been gradual. And then I, I work with people where they'll have an awakening that completely puts them into a psychosis, uh, as well as into the spiritual aspect. And they're trying to navigate both parts, which part is psychosis, what part is is the real spiritual me. Um, and it will come, it's, for some people, it's like um, Niagara Falls opening up because what I find is that those big changes or those traumas uh, stir in a lot of people the things that they suppressed growing up. So, you know, there's a lot of social conditioning, familial conditioning, things that go on where you're never really yourself. You're you're doing things an obligation to make everybody else happy around you because you're behaving the right way. You don't talk, but you're in front of everybody as a kid. You have your own thoughts, but you're supposed to think the way everyone wants you to think with their values as you're being molded as a, you know, growing up. And so what happens is you experience things or you experience tra- small level trauma or other traumas. And I'm not a, I'm not a clinical person, so forgive me. I, I don't mean to pose as one. But we've, we bury these things and what an, uh, a shift does. It brings all of them forward at one time. And it's sort of like it opens that Niagara Falls of all of these things that you, we've suppressed over the years come forward as a bunch of things that we haven't cleared or worked through. And we're and they when they come at one time they can be really hard to navigate so I think yes I the thank you for your question I think the long the longer answer is it can there's a lot to discuss there and I'm sure it may raise questions to pick this these comments further into other pieces to explore but yes the um, I do find that that does happen a lot in um, navigating that and working through it it can be a challenge but it's also on the other side
0: it's a wonderful thing when they work through it and dr marnie feel free to if you have another thought or if you have a specific instance that that david might be able to help you with then feel free to uh to put that into the chat and and the other folks that are here thank you for being here oh and she was fast uh, thank you for your answer uh, so um I, I hope that i hope that helped you uh, dr marnie because it's I was talking the last hour and it seems like, and David, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like as far as dysfunctionality, we all have some, it's an equal opportunity thing, be it because of our family situation Mm -hmm. or um, something that happened to us that we may forget for a long period of time. And then something triggers it and brings it back. And then, then it, it hopefully you're in a better position to be able to deal with it at that point. But, Mm -hmm. but is that, is, is that, yeah. Are we all as dysfunctional as I think we are? <laughs> yeah, you know it's interesting. I'll, I'll just share
1: with you a perspective. Perspective is I don't see us as dysfunctional. What I do see us as, um, we're heart centered, and we're trying to do the best we can. We're always we're trying to make the best decisions. We're trying to be kind. We're trying to be happy. We're trying to make sure that we. Don't have a negative effect on other people. And despite all of our efforts of trying, we hit rough patches of things that are unsolicited that are come to us that we don't want um, situations that we didn't ask for, um, or we just innocently, through all of our efforts, make a bad decision and create an issue. Uh, that we've created that we have to work through so i i I think that what we're trying to do is there's three planes as i like to say it there's the spiritual plane there's the physical plane and there's the emotional plane and and a lot of times if we're not in the world of spirituality yet in our lifetime or we're there but it depends on what degree we are in it um, we're operating on the physical and the emotional plane a lot But what happens is when we have these shifts shifts spiritually, the first thing we do is we try to process what's happening to us emotionally. We try to make sense of it. We try to understand it. So we have a spiritual experience that's energetic and all about energy. We try to take energy, which is not a human language, and we try to translate it into human language in order to understand it through the emotions it's created in us. And then we actually, what I find is that people have physical reactions as the last phase of having to process the energy now that was passing through the body from all of this. And part of that energy too is energy that is created from our past. We may have a physical experience or an emotional experience, but any physical or emotional experience in our lifetime, especially when we're young, that's energy. Energy is created from everything, from the power of thought, from the power of experience. And if that energy is never released and never processed, it stays in the body. And a lot of the things that affect us through an awakening or through these shifts is that we have to work out the energy that's been stored in the body from these things because they create physical issues for
0: us. That's fascinating because it, it seems to be so true because if you, I, there are lots of people, energy healers and, and mm-hmm. folks that'll tell you if you can release some of the, the pent up anger, the mm-hmm. pent up energy that's within you, then you can move past it. And until you do that, uh, do you have any simple steps? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I get the feeling there's no simple steps here. Uh, well, but, I think, yeah,
1: I think, you know, there isn't a simple step, but the guidance I could ask, you know, you you give me a moment to pause and think about how to best answer that. And that really is that it's first, I, I like to say, I'm not, as you know, we talked about this before the show, I'm not a person of structure and process, everyone is different. And everyone um, it has to go through an experience that works specifically for them. So there's no one way. But the thing is, the in spiritual journeys and the, the energy we're talking about, the physical impact, the emotional impact is first it what happens is the spirituality brings awareness. But we have a decision as a human being to make a decision. When we are made aware of things that come back like you said are being triggered or, or they come forward, we have to decide whether we want to ex- whether or not what has come to our awareness, we want to keep in our awareness or we want to bury it again. Because the question is whether or not it's too emotionally taxing to address it, to work through it, or whether we want to escape it. So the first decision point is, okay, this came forward through a spiritual experience. I have to decide whether or not I want it to be present with me or not. If the answer is no, that's okay for this lifetime. You don't have to work on that. It's okay to set aside. There should be no self-judgment or judgment by anyone That's just where you're at. All is good. But if you decide to, in awareness, allow it to be present, then there's a second decision. Do you accept what it is that you now know to be what is? And if you accept it, you then have one final decision to make, which is, do you want to take action to address it or not? Some people may say, I'm aware this happened to me or these things are going on. I accept that they're here. I just don't have the energy or the mindset to work on this right now. I just, it's just not in me. Or it's like, maybe I'll make, I'll do this next year. I'm aware of it, all of that. Maybe it's just something I want to do next year. I just don't want to work on now. Or it's like, yeah, I want to work through this for me to go forward in my life. I feel like I need to work on this. I want to. Um, I'm tired of, of having it be here. I, w- I want to move forward and put it behind me, but clear it and not have it impact my life anymore. So they're really it's really about awareness, a decision to ex- uh, then acceptance and then to take action. If you take action, then you can actually seek help by, you know, you can see a Reiki person, you can see a healing touch, a sound healing, acupuncturist. You can choose a modality or people that you feel is best aligned to how you feel comfortable working through that energy. So it's really freedom of choice and free will. What do you feel? Do you want to hire someone like a David Newkirk? Do you want to hire an acupuncturist? Do you want to hire sound healing, a homeopath? You, you decide what's best for you.
0: And Dr. Marnie continues. She says, it's like Niagara Falls sometimes, but it's also over many, many years. Like peel, peeling the layers of an onion, I found the key to healing in research and learning, plus taking ownership in your role. I, I and so I was, and I see you nodding, so you're agreeing with that.
1: Yes. Now, yeah, I, I very much so.
0: Uh, let's see. Thank you. Oh, choosing and choosing to deal with an issue is important. A great book to learn is a correlation of the physical impact. Uh, with the emotional and the spirit, or the spiritual, is the body keeps score. Um, Are you familiar with that work, sir?
1: I am not. You know, we haven't talked much about myself because that's one thing I I tend not to do so much in public settings like this. I do, you know, more quietly because I like to do my work humbly, uh, quietly. But I'm a person who, um, I'm always in all the other Areas people like to use the word dimensions, and that's okay. I, you know, but my whole life, I'm in the Akasha, like right now, I'm in the Akasha. I understand the Akasha. So for me, I can always access information on demand as I need it versus needing to read books. So there was a t- point in time where I stopped reading because people would say to me, David, have you read this book by Louise Hay? And I'd be like, no. They're like, well, you're talking about the same thing she said. Or, you know, did you study Buddhism? I said, no, I, I don't know much about the, the details of Buddhism at, at all. They're like, but you just quoted what Buddha says. So it's just one of those things where having access to the information is just how it's always been for me. So I'm very careful uh, with with that type of access um, because I don't want to be deemed abused or having lack of integrity with it. I'm very careful with it. I'm very sensitive to it, but I, 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 the information just comes as I need it is, is the best way to describe it.
0: I have a story for you that I need to tell you. I feel compelled. Never told this story on the air before. Um, this involves um, me growing up and my older brother, he was 18 months older than me he we grew up in the, in obviously in the same household and he felt um i he felt a certain way towards me i don't know why um i was always a happy-go-lucky kid um but he felt like he needed to express his dominance over me or whatever so i i he, he beat me up pretty much on a regular basis stuffed grass up my nose and held me down as and put uh um um leaves in my mouth and and all that kind of stuff. It was and was generally not a very nice brother. I didn't feel like I could go to him up to and including the time when I was ten years old. I had just seen um, I just seen Hang 'em High, the, the, the uh, Clint Eastwood movie in a uh, um, in a preview, mm-hmm. and so we had an apricot tree in the backyard, and uh, he had taken a, um, a rope and put a loop in it. And there was a ladder sitting next to it. And I pretended, being a 10 year old, I pretended that I was about to be hung and climbed up the ladder and put the noose around or the rope around my neck. And then he pulled the ladder away. And I, for the rest of my, for the rest of his life, he pulled the ladder away. And then, of course, I was choking and and stuff. I had a rope burn from ear to ear. Um, and then he put the ladder back, um, because I think it scared him. Um, but for the rest of our lives, we would laugh about it from time to time. Oh, my brother that hung me. I've never heard of that before or since, um, my brother hung me. But then when he got cancer, he had stage four lung cancer. And this is two years ago and has subsequently passed away. I felt an immense anger because I wanted to know why can you can you imagine if, is it doing this to anybody that 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 you know that you're going to pull the ladder away from them and it's going to and 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 you're risking I didn't understand. I still don't understand, but when he was dying I wanted to confront him. But I knew he was dying and so I had to let it go, but it still bothers me to this day. I want to know, dang it, why did you do that? Uh, you know And uh, so that's an unresolved thing in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, It was really, it was really quite weird. And, and, and the fact that he then took these little band-aids and put them around my neck so that my mother would not see the rope burn. She'd just see the band-aids That that trick didn't work, but he never got into trouble. Um, They never sought counseling for him to find out why he would do such a thing Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And so, it, it always stuck with me that that was, but I buried it for, for many, many years until until two years ago. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Thank you for sharing
1: that story. It, it's very interesting because that that is an example of energy that stays in you from the experience. You know, there's a lot of emotions. I could see it still the emotion in you as you were sharing, but there's a lot of energy with that that stays in the body. And I'll, I'll just share with you what I've experienced and because I think it's important is that I've had people who have dealt with not that, that exact specific scenario or close to that similar scenario that you just described, but to some pretty significant, serious stuff. And um, somehow it w- it, it, it was, it's unresolved. And what has happened is I will be with some a client, I'll be with somebody, and I'll say, do you have a pain in the back of your left shoulder blade? that curls slightly to the left under the base of your neck and that that pain has been there for a really long time and they'll say yes that how do you know i have that pain i go on a scale of one to ten what is it and they'll be like it's a nine and a half i'll be like have you had that for the past x number of years they'll be like, yeah how did you know that because i'll feel it i'll feel that energy and i'll feel it associated with the emotion of the event like what you just described and I'll and and, and I' and so what happens is that energy created from that event eventually over a long period period of time is energy that attaches itself to some part of the body and it creates a physical pain and physical discomfort. and that energy has to be removed because it creates like I guess the best way I could describe it from a human perspective it creates like roots, and it attaches itself and it has to be, be pulled out and people get a lot of relief. Some people like to say, oh, it's negative energy. It's dark energy. It really is just energy from an unpleasant experience that's there and it was never cleared. And so that energy over the years tends to manifest and solidify and create physical discomfort. And so I work to take that energy out. They feel instant relief. And then when I check in with
0: them, they that pain is never there anymore. That's pretty cool because you're right. It is just energy, and <laughs> and I recognize that that the anger that that I still have for that incident, it's it's just energy, and I just mm-hmm. I just need to you know. And and at the very end of his life, we kind of sort of made up. We never discussed it again. I he, and he never explained to me what what horrible thing I'd done to him to cause him to do that to me. But, mm-hmm. you know, at, at this point it's, it's kind of like water under the bridge. Cause he, I can't, I can't argue with him now. Right.
1: But there, there are things to work through there so that the energy can be released. Right. Because as long right. as you have thought with it and, and, and what I like to say is that when we think we've intellectually resolved something, and this is why I think therapy is great and therapists are great. I think they're wonderful and they serve a tremendous good for people but they help us work through all the intellectual aspects and in in our mind work through things. And I think it helps us resolve to a certain extent a lot of things. But the piece it doesn't address is the energy that was created, manifested, and is in us, uh, even if we've resolved it through that type of help intellectually. And so that – in order – because if we feel like we're okay, we're in a better place, we feel like we can deal with something now, the question we have to ask ourselves is, even though we may be neutral to it now, with all of that great help, why do we still keep thinking of it? Why do we still allow it to come forward and not move on from it, where it's never even a thought anymore? It's because the energy is still there, which means the emotion and the energy of, of it is still present, which allows it to come through and forward in thought from time to time. So, if we remove the energy, we can clear ourselves where we truly can move on and not worry about it coming forward on unexpected basis
0: exactly um and that's something that i need to address still obviously um but i wanted to ask you i didn't want to make this about me as much as i already have uh, but i wanted to ask you about the akasha records mm-hmm. and i've heard that term and i've heard people say that they can access them what exactly are they in your opinion oh boy
1: yeah so um I'm, so this is the perspective that i have um Not everyone will agree with it. I'm totally cool with that. I always tell people, people don't have to agree. Um, But what I find is that um, I have to set up, I have to preface this by saying there's a desire by humans to define everything with structure. And so when I hear people say, oh, it's a hall of records, it's a library, it's books. The universe doesn't create that. That's not how it is. Now, a human can describe it that way because that helps a human make something tangible visually or in concept when energy is invisible and energy is not easily uh, uh, understood. The Akashic Records, from my perspective, is the universe, the universe of energy. It is everything that is, was, and will be. Every nanosecond of our lives, at least as human beings, every nanosecond of everything that occurs is, is energy. And even smaller denominations that are, that are even quicker than nanoseconds. But everything that occurs is energy. And then energy will always exist as it was created or as it was formed or as it was used. And that's the Akasha. The Akasha is the energy of everything. And it's flowing all around us. It's everywhere. And our energy is bigger than our body. Our human body doesn't, is not the limitation of the size of our energy. We're much bigger than that. And so we have the ability of our own energy to expand, contract, and, and we're in constant movement, just like everything else. We can touch other energies. And in touching other energies, we can experience them and we can actually. Learn or access things
0: that's a, that's a that's a beautiful explanation because you're you're absolutely right. are we have the ability to touch other people with our energy, mm-hmm. and they us either positively or negatively. at at any given time. And so in order for that to happen, our energy field, if you will, Mm -hmm. must be larger than our physical body. It it extends outward. How far do you think it extends outward?
1: I'll I'll use this analogy. You can have a glass of water in a confined space, and it's a 12-ounce glass of water, and you know how much space that water takes up you spill that water and it becomes a much thinner layer and it spreads four feet across the floor. It's not in a 12 ounce cup. It's the same amount of water, but it's expanded to cover more territory. We are everything large and everything small at the same time. We can be as condensed in our energy in one place, we can expand it and infinitely go as far as we want to other energy and thin out that energy in such a minute connector of energy, we can go far distances.
0: So that's why when I talk to people that are energy healers or a psychic medium or so, and they can talk to somebody on the phone that maybe they may be in New York and uh I'm in Washington State, but they can do a reading with me because their energy can expand that far and ours can touch if it's vibrating the same. Is that
1: yes, but here yeah, it's a great point. Thank you for raising that it's a great point. So yeah, I I can I can work in the the healing modalities I can work with, you know, working with facilitating healing of people. I've been doing this since I was six without a modality. Right, I can do that over Zoom, I can do that in person. I could I could do that just while I'm sitting at home or my office and someone is in India and I can just be within myself and uh, work with someone who's in India who's ill. So yes, the the, the whole point is that there is no such thing as a, a limitation of time and space that restricts our energy. We can be everywhere and nowhere at the same time. I like being everywhere rather than nowhere. Yes. So if someone says, Are you, are you, we basically, we can, we can be somewhere or we could be nowhere. We could be everywhere. We can determine how we want our energy to be at any given time. But yes, it, energy, see the thing about energy healing, and I, I, I think I need to point this out people are not healers. No one is a healer. What they are is a facilitator. I am someone who has been a facilitator my entire life. I got a Master Reiki license because I was very intrigued by it and a Master Reiki. But what we do in all of those modalities is we are able to actually access the energy and move it through our body to the person we are directing it towards because they're not able to access uh, for whatever reason at this point in time, that energy themselves directly. So no one, uh, no one is gifted. Everyone has the same ability, just whether or not it's been developed or focused on um, is really the question. So everyone has the same ability. Um, No one is gifted, but some people have are, are able to leverage it for now in this lifetime. And then, you, you, you pass the energy to someone, and then that someone who receives the energy decides whether or not they want to accept that energy and
0: allow the body to be nourished by it, to use it to heal. That's, that's fascinating. So, so really, it, it's a matter of... So we even get free will and free choice to determine whether or not we're going to accept help or not. That is Correct. Uh,
1: uh, that is correct. Sometimes someone may be on a lifetime journey where I, I, I know someone, there was someone, a personal friend of mine who had cancer and they were in stage four and I connected to their soul, which I call their higher self, their soul. And I'm permission based. Am I allowed to send send the energy to help them self heal? And I was told, no, this is their journey. Th- there is great learning for them for this experience, and it has to be. And so I let it go. Then I, I'll work with somebody else who's sick. Someone had an inoperable tumor in, in India uh, on the base of their spine. It was a it was a, a young boy, and I had permission to work on that, and I did. So it is all permission based. We are not here to disrupt the learnings and the journey that every individual is here to have as a human being. So for me, it's really we're permission-based where we ask if we're allowed to help, and if we are, we do. But we also um, sometimes are being told no because we can't disrupt what this journey is representing and meaning for this person and what the great learnings are and the experiences they're supposed to have. That they set up and created before they were even born. Correct, and we have to respect that because if we don't, then we're making it about us, and we actually are coming from a place of ego, not from a place of beneficial good and allowing, allowing things to be how they're meant to be for someone else through
0: free will and freedom of choice. Which is which is a huge which is a huge deal. Which is really what it, what what it's all about. Now let me ask you in the in the in the Akasha or the universe, as you describe it. Now I realize I'm talking in very, very simplistic language because it is far more complicated than we can absorb that we can understand. I mean, I I believe, but like we we have spirit guides, and I have a team. I believe, and well, no, I know I have a team of spirit guides and angels that are working on my behalf to achieve what I'm interested in achieving in this lifetime, which I determined before I even got here. Am I even close?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would never refute that at all. Um, I think what one person's view is and what one person's reality is, is their view and reality. And it's all good. Um, What I can share from a perspective is that what's really interesting is when we think about how vast and how big the universe is and how many beings that exist, and t- it's impossible to even fathom the count of energetic beings that exist. When I say beings, I'm not saying everyone that was human. You know, a being is, is, an, is the spirit of trees. It's the spirit of, you know, animals. It's, it's the spirit of all life that exists of what we do know and don't know. Beings, we, there's a penchant for humans to have to put names on them. Energy doesn't have names. But energy, putting names in them, helps us somehow work work with it or work through it or understand it. So when you really think about it, there can be um, – we, we like to use the word angels, but why is it always an angel? Why isn't it just a being who's doing something for the beneficial good?
0: See, right? now there you go. <laughs> Thank you for that. Because, because I have been told, I've talked to people, That'll say, well, angels are different than us. It's a different entity, different being. And I in my heart, I don't believe that's true. I think that we are all the we are all part of the giant collective. Mm-hmm. And that what makes us different from one another is our level of experience and expertise. And somebody who's been doing it longer might qualify as somebody is like an angel but mm-hmm. i don't but they're but they're still made of the same stuff because we're all made of the same stuff Am i am i and our energy is all the same is that is that fair
1: yeah i think it's very fair and thank you for explaining it that way yeah i i agree i think that um when when we understand energy and how it works what we really what we're really trying to understand so let me take a step back when we think of souls souls are created at different points in time they're created out of energy and that energy is given consciousness and when that energy is given consciousness a cluster of energy is given consciousness and the soul is created that hence a soul is created as a result of that consciousness it only knows one thing it knows it knows that it just wants to learn it wants to expand it wants to grow and it wants to have experiences for that and the only way is think about you know um a soul going i don't know what it's like to have i don't know what it's like to feel pain in the finger of a human body but boy i would love to experience that because that's something i I'm, I'm excited i don't know what that is So the human being represents an opportunity for a soul to actually have experiences it can't have otherwise, because it's unique to a human being. And that knowledge and those experiences allow the soul to expand energetically and grow larger and grow bigger and and expand itself. And so we're all here for the purpose of helping our souls expand through experience, learning, and understanding but we have to remember, I always ask people, what came first, the soul or the human being? Soul. And they'll say the soul. I said, well, if the soul came first, then that means the soul is limitless compared to the human being. The human being puts limits on everything. <laughs> we do. And the soul always knows more than a human being. So why are we as human beings trying to tell the world how the soul works? Because, I, because we're, I don't know why. Well, I think that's the question, right? We, 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 we put the human being as being the most knowledgeable relative to the soul and try to explain how everything works when the soul really is the one that has more access energetically to all things and everything.
0: Well, see, I've, I've, I was talking with uh, my mother one time long ago and, um, and I said to her that, uh, uh, she said, well, you're a human being. I said, no, I'm not. Um, I'm in a human body. That's right. That doesn't mean that I'm a human being because my soul is much more infinite than that. Um, In her belief structure, it was your soul was created with your body at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I disagree with that vehemently because you can't know. I know what it's like to be a short, fat white guy in Seattle, Washington, but I can't tell you what it's like to be a a tall black woman from Nairobi Nairobi, Mm -hmm. or a gay man in, in England or or any of the other experiences that it's important that
1: that we gather, I think. Well and and there's you know, and as much as we we want to we need to respect how people view these things and the and the diversity of, of views and opinions, we have to hold all of that and allow it to be, which is all good. You know, one of the things to to that point that you described your mother making is that, well, if that were true, then that means there aren't any past lives because that means if you had a past life, that means you had a different soul from that body and another soul from this. So, so what we're really, you know, really the the concept here is that the soul is an energetic, is an energy that is not defined with a limited lifetime based upon the lifetime of, of the human body. And so, therefore, the soul can come back and have
0: other experiences to further expand. I have, I have. Tell me, tell me if this makes any sense to you at all. I have something called uh, pumpkin pie. Um, First of all, describe to me what it's like. What what does what is like to eat pumpkin pie? Go ahead, describe it for me.
1: To me, eating pumpkin pie is you first recognize that the fork has to break through the crust after breaking through the softness of the custard created by the pumpkin pie. You notice the darker caramel color of that pie, maybe some pockets of dark spots from how things have settled in it, whether it was the nutmeg or the clove. You realize the smell of it, whether it's cold or whether it's warm when it's served, it gives you a different aroma or no aroma you use your fork to break through the crust get a piece of the custard and then
0: you taste the texture and the flavors in your mouth that is that is a, as good as i can describe it myself but that doesn't tell us how it tastes that's right, right. you have to experience that's it right to know how it tastes absolutely so,
1: because that was my experience but that's not necessarily going to be anybody else's experience
0: right so I, I had a little parable of uh, three souls are talking and they're, and they're talking about their experience on Earth. And and um, they're and one of them says, what was your favorite experience? And he said, it was Thanksgiving. Oh, mine, too. I love Thanksgiving. It's, it's great. And the third guy had never experienced Thanksgiving. He lived in a different culture that didn't have it. And he'd never been involved with Thanksgiving. And the guy said, well, what was your favorite part? I love the pumpkin pie oh it's just To die for at the end of the day And so they tried to describe it to the Gentleman who was there that Was had never experienced Pumpkin pie and they said well it kind of like It's custard what, what's custard What is crust and what, what's <laughs> crust It's like right. it, I don't Get it I don't, I don't understand it so he right. Resolved the next time he came back He was going to be in a Place where they had thanksgiving so he could learn about pumpkin pie He did that he died his body died. He went back to heaven. And now they can all have a conversation about pumpkin pie because it all experienced it. Does that make any sense?
1: It makes perfect sense. And that's really what, that's really what it's all about. I think that's so awesome for you to say, Kevin, because that's really what it's all about. It's all about experience. And the way that we experience things differently is the way that we form perspective. We form wisdom. We form an understanding or we create knowledge. And so that, that, that is all different for all of us And I think that's extremely important because what you just described and how I so emphatically agree with you is that when we use modalities, and modalities are very important tools, but I see them as foundational. Modalities help introduce people to energy. They introduce the concept of healing. They they help people develop things to develop a way to do things to actually Deliver the beneficial good to others and to themselves and to help. But the modalities are like religion, and from my perspective, in that they create a structure and try to have you conform to a very specific way of doing things. And if you do, what you're trying to do is standardize the experience and you're removing what you just said, which is having
0: different experiences now is that it and i never understood this because from what i understand to work with reiki and work with energy it's it's pretty easy to do and it doesn't require a degree or what but they but then they have reiki masters and and Mm -hmm. folks that do that doesn't that limit how they can use their energy and they're, they're being taught to do it a certain way rather than the expression of themselves in their heart. Yes.
1: So it's a double-edged sword. So for example, Reiki or other energy modalities, there's healing touches, sound, there's also, they're all, they're all great. There's over 200 modalities. Um, You can do the method that you're taught and it will serve and it will help people. Um, It doesn't always serve and help everybody. Um, but it does help. It does serve and help. It depends on the individual who's the recipient as to how effective it actually can be. But the person who's delivering it also does an Im- impact on how effective because they could they could deviate uh, from the method. Um, and that's the double-edged sword. If they deviate from the method, sometimes they can do things which actually creates energy problems. But they, they like doing it a different way than they were taught, but they don't realize they're actually doing something energetically that is actually um, creating more harm than good. Um, or people can be doing things energetically that are, are more, um, they go they, they're doing things that they feel is right, and they are intuitively right, and they are helpful. So it does vary. Um, it's okay for people to move away from the structure. I, I believe. I believe moving away from the structure, but there are people who do everything the right way, do it all for the beneficial good. They they deviate and they do it with uh, with the deviation. They do even better good for other for people. But then you have people who are sort of in lack. They're in the spiritual industry for reasons that are not really where they're particularly grounded and they're particularly um, expanded to where they should be in order to actually do that modality. And they do harm more than good because they really aren't at a place within themselves where they really, I'll say the word yet, are yet ready to do that work, but they do it
0: prematurely. Which brings the question, how can you determine when somebody is a good practitioner or a yet to be good practitioner
1: that's a really good question that is so I'll give you an answer but I would say it's, <laughs> it's, it's subjective right sure it's sort of like you know how do you know what you don't know right how do you how can you tell you're putting your faith and trust in someone they'll tell you a, a good story a good explanation there is no fail-safe to choose the right person. I, I think what it really is, is, um, is someone telling you what you want to hear? Or are they just having a good, normal conversation? Like we're having a, I, what I would like to think. I hope the listeners feel that like we're just having a good, as normal of a conversation as you can, but we're doing the topic of spirituality and all these things. There's a level of transparency, a sharing of perspective. Uh, uh, if a spiritual person is okay with being wrong, because they're interpreting energy. And sometimes when you interpret energy, you're doing the best you can to be accurate with it and how you're understanding it. But you could get it wrong. Oh, yeah. If the if that practitioner actually allows themselves to tell a client, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm trying to do. I may get it wrong. Um, if I feel like I'm getting it wrong, I may sit with it. Or if you're if you're a medium i'm a medium it's actually okay to say i'm
0: not getting anything i don't know well and i've worked with a lot of mediums Mm -hmm. and and the reality is and some people will say well you know a medium why don't why don't you just hear the name called out (laughs) or hear the hear the you know them give you a full sentence of what they're doing it's because they don't have a uh They have to talk in symbolism because they don't have a a vocal cord anymore. So they can't talk to you like you're another human being. So tell me if I'm wrong here, that they they speak in in energy, they speak in symbolism, and they're trying to give you the best symbol they can. But sometimes we as humans Mm -hmm. misrepresent or misconstrue what they're trying to tell us. Does that make sense?
1: It does. The way I like to say it is that because we're dealing with energy and people are different as mediums, um, we all have different ways of how we interpret energy. Some people may interpret it through sound. Some people may have a language of interpreting energy through messages, uh, through words. Some may interpret it through color. Um, for me, I'm, I'm extremely detailed and visual. So I see things very visually detailed. It's just how, how it is for me. So people, people translate and have their own language on how they translate energy into something meaningful. And it's by design on how it is for them. And there's no one way that's better than another, but it's just the method of translation of how they, how they do that. And, but there's always the chance of getting something, something slightly wrong. But, um, but the person who is the medium has to be comfortable with that and be transparent with that, in my belief, because we're dealing with peop- we're dealing with people where we have to have integrity, character, sensitivity, and caring. And the only way we can display those things when we're dealing with someone who's coming to us for help or support and to execute that with unconditional love is to be transparent and allow ourselves to have a flaw or a mistake, recognize it, and actually share it. Because we have, to, we are supposed to do the what's in the most beneficial good for everyone who is seeking support and help. And in doing so, we're not supposed to be perfect, and we're not supposed to hide our flaws, or we're not supposed to say things because we think they want to hear it. We're supposed to do things that um, are accurate and with what we feel we can truly share that is um, that is, as it comes across. Well,
0: that's very well said. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I keep forgetting you're on the East Coast. It's 7 o'clock in the evening there on a Friday night, and it's time for you to go party and, <laughs> uh, and to go have fun. I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I could literally just talk to you for hours. So we need to do this again. Can we do this again?
1: I would love to do it again because I feel like this conversation can just can even t- continue now. So
0: I would be up for that for sure. And and but it but it's it's, it's time for you to relax and go have dinner. And I want to honor your time. So I really appreciate you coming on.
1: I appreciate you as always. I appreciate what you do with Positive Talk Radio and what you do for people who are your listeners. So just um, lots of gratitude to you for who you are and
0: what you're doing with this with this work. Well, this is a major episode that people need to listen to because it, it opens up all kinds of wonderful doors uh, for people that can recognize it. If we're just energy, we can do anything.
1: There aren't, there are no limitations except for the ones that we create, but sometimes understanding how to work through the idea of, of not having limitations in some ways, takes, takes patience and time and understanding. And that in and of itself is a journey.
0: It is indeed. And sometimes it can take years, sometimes it can take lifetimes.
1: And sometimes it could take six months. It depends on the person where they're at. It, it doesn't always have to be long and arduous. It Really, that's the beautiful thing is the
0: journey itself is beautiful however it unfolds it is a beautiful thing absolutely thank you david for being here by the way your website on this one is spiritual spiritual journey but you also have another another website we need to get that one out too which is oh that one is the
1: business one ethos consults with an s.com but spiritual journey is i think the one that so accurately represents today
0: well, and you know, I got to tell you though, uh, because you are living in a physical world and having a physical experience and a physical place, that bi- mixing business and spirituality makes a whole a whole lot of sense. If you can blend the two and use them, it, it you just become more powerful. I believe
1: any anything that we can do to help everyone feel empowered within themselves. And to and to feel like they are where they want to be and be the way they want to be. It, there's nothing more. I can't even explain just the energetic feeling of just happiness, knowing that people people have an opportunity to allow themselves to be that way and to find
0: it. It's awesome. And you can and you're facilitating a lot of that. And that's and for people. And that's that's. And allowing them to do it themselves, but you're facilitating it. And that's perfect. That's, that's great. And that's, that's awesome. And I really appreciate you uh, for talking to me. I feel really honored. You, talking to you is like, I've had the opportunity to talk to people like Neil Donald Walsh and uh, Gary zukov and you hold up as well as any of those
1: guys. It's very kind if if people could see you you're making me blush that's very kind and I will probably have a piece of humble pie for dessert tonight.
0: Have pumpkin pie, it's better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> David,
0: thank you so much for being here. And if somebody wants to get a hold of you how do they do it?
1: Oh, they can go to, they can just go to spiritualjourneyme.com and there's a link. They can reach out to me. They can email me, but my email address, uh, if it's okay to leave my email address, if someone wants to just send an email to me. Oh, of course, message. of course. Um, it's my name, it's D from my first name, David, and my last name, Newkirk, D-N-E-W-K-I-R-K at ethos, E-T-H-O-S, consults, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-S dot com and feel free to drop me an email and um i'm very good at uh responding and not delaying just because uh
0: it's a respectful thing to do and he's an awesome dude man i gotta tell you and thank you so much for being here and i'm gonna have you i'm gonna have to have you back on a regular basis one of these days i want to get you and uh, sandy and a couple other people maybe to get together and we'll have We'll have kind of a roundtable, spiritual roundtable. How about that? I would love that.
1: Anything you organize, I would love to do to support you in the show. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. Stay right there, and I'll be right back. Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.